Before we jump into the show, I just wanted to advise you that we will be discussing mental health and topics surrounding depression, death, and grief. It's an important conversation for Wyandotte County, and I hope this encourages those looking for help to find it. everyone. It's Nikki, your host of the 7th Street Podcast. As you know, on the 7th Street Podcast, we discuss decisions made and issues that arise within the municipal buildings up and down 7th Street. Today, we are discussing the greatest issue for the Wyandotte County Public Health Department over the last two years, COVID-19, and one of the overlooked impacts of this pandemic, the community's mental health. Last season, we discussed the impacts of COVID on Wyandotte County. A lot has happened since we last talked about it, so I'm going to run through where we are now. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we've had 39,804 confirmed cases and 480 deaths per the Wyandotte County Public Health Report on their site. Our greatest peak in the pandemic was just recently in January after a wave of Omicron moved through the United States. The zip code most impacted by COVID-19 was 66102 with 66104 and 66109 following shortly behind. The age groups most impacted by the coronavirus pandemic in Wyandotte County may surprise some, even though COVID has been known to impact our most vulnerable, which was defined as the elderly and small children. Our most impacted age groups were between the age of 19 and 40. During those recent waves, Wyandotte had mask mandates in place, Wyandotte County's mask mandate was extended on August 6, 2021, during the onset of the Delta variant. But as of January 6, 2022, the mask mandate has expired. Right now, and let me make sure to knock on some wood here, it feels like the world is starting to get back to an era similar to pre-pandemic. But this is in fact a new normal. Aside from the obvious physical impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic, health professionals are noticing people are struggling with the immense emotional and societal changes over the last two years. But now people are also finding it hard to adapt to this new normal, now that lockdowns are starting to ease. The Kaiser Family Foundation started a health tracking report in July 2020 that shows that as this pandemic wears on, the ongoing and necessary public health measures such as isolation or other events such as job loss exposed many people to experiencing situations linked to poor mental health. They found that many adults are reporting specific negative impacts on their mental health and well-being such as difficulty sleeping or eating, increase in alcohol consumption, or substance abuse, and worsening chronic conditions due to worry and stress over the coronavirus. The CDC attributes these stresses to the public health action to practice social distancing, creating a sense of isolation at a time that adults and children are experiencing stressful and overwhelming challenges from the pandemic. Many psychologists and psychiatrists have reported an influx of people seeking mental health support due to the increase in anxiety and depression as well as the exasperation of existing mental health conditions, 
over time, the loss of daily social contact starts to take its toll because of the long periods of uncertainty and change that can leave people feeling very isolated and not sure how to connect. This was not just a local or national issue, but a global one. In the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a global prevalence and increase of anxiety and depression. The World Health Organization released a scientific brief and measured the increase of anxiety and depression. During the first year of the pandemic, the organization discovered a 25% increase and found that mental health dramatically declined. The WHO report shows an estimated 53 million additional cases of major depressive disorders and 76 million additional cases of anxiety disorders seen globally. Women and younger people were found to be affected more than men and older adults. People are also experiencing a great sense of grief. Grief is a normal response to loss during or after a disaster or traumatic event. Grief can happen in response to loss of life, but also grief caused by drastic changes to daily routines in the ways of life that usually bring us comfort in a state of stability. So today I wanted to talk to Oscar Roscoe, a mental health professional from the Kansas City metro area to discuss Wyandotte County's mental health during this pandemic and how this has impacted our residents and our mental health care professionals. Welcome, Oscar, to the 7th Street Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me here. Of course, of course. Well, tell everyone about who you are and your profession. Sure. So hello, everyone. My name is Oscar Orozco. I am a licensed master social worker, Um, so social worker by training. And currently I work as a grief support specialist or grief counselor uh, through Kansas City Hospice and Palliative Care. So working with bereaved of either family members who were on hospice services and their family members or people in the community who've experienced the loss. Um, So I have been doing that for a little bit over a year, started that during COVID, which was an interesting transition Mm. Um, coming from hospital social work where I was working at Children's Mercy prior to that. And so mental health has always been a passion of mine. And just recently, again, I've understood and found out that grief is the specialty in mental health that I'm passionate about, which led me to my current job, which I love so much. Well, that's good. You know, not not a lot of people are blessed to be able to say that they enjoy <laughs> right. their job. So, right. so that's really good. Well, you know, starting that particular profession during a pandemic is a very interesting choice, to say the least. Very. Um, but what were you... What were you expecting to see when we kind of got the news that this pandemic was happening and we started seeing the the rates of death and the rates of people getting sick from a mental health perspective? Mm-hmm. What were you expecting and and what actually ended up happening from your side of things? What was your mm-hmm. conclusion? Sure. So from both two perspectives, one was it's the pandemic started when I was working at Children's Mercy. And so the changes we saw there were very big where we family members only two parents allowed at bedside um sometimes only one parent during visits and clinic visits Mm. it became even more harder when it was in the picu the pediatric intensive care unit Mm. or the nicu where there was life and death uh, situations that again only parents were allowed to be at the bedside with 
you can imagine that that's very difficult for many. Yeah. And so a lot of just the way we functioned as social workers, our job, um, what we were used to doing, all of that changed practically overnight. Um, so that was one area that I noticed and we said, okay, there was already a mental health crisis going on before the pandemic. With the pandemic now, it's been elevated. Yeah. So individuals, again, who maybe were keeping themselves busy by working a lot or you know just doing things, Again, because they lost a lot of their norms, a lot of their coping skills, they were put face to face with their depression, with their anxiety, with their grief, mm. um, or experiencing new grief. Um, this wave of grief, as a lot of people have called it, um, shifting to my now current role as a grief counselor. Again, a lot of individuals not just lost family members to COVID, but during COVID, which was affected by the pandemic. Yeah. So funerals weren't being held um, or yeah. limited people yeah. were only able to attend. Mourning, tr- cultural mourning rituals that have helped us mourn throughout s- centuries were paused or taken away from us. Yeah. That's grief. Yeah. Right. And so then my understanding of grief began to evolve where grief is not just um, like me and you've talked about the death of a person. It could be a loss of something else. Right. Many yeah. different loss. And so I think many people now are experiencing grief. And I can argue that many of us have lost something Yeah. in these three years. If I just ask someone to the question, what have you lost? in the past three years. Yeah. I don't think a lot of us have asked ourselves that question. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point about how mental health is oftentimes overlooked mm-hmm. um, in Kansas City. And I'm interested on your thoughts as to why that might be and how does that impact your ability to, to do your job or what type of impacts are you seeing that having on the just the typical... Wyandotte County, Kansas City, Kansas resident. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I can tell you right now that the majority of my clients currently are predominantly white. Mm. I have, I believe, currently two Spanish-speaking clients and one black woman. Mm. And so that does beg the question, well, why? Right? And so then we look at... In our culture, what were we raised, up, uh, taught about mental health, which oftentimes was nothing. Yeah. And when there was talk about mental health, it usually went something like they're crazy or they need to, you know, pick up the Bible, um, you know, or they need to, you know, there was always a stigma behind it. Not to say that spirituality isn't helpful, but we know that it's not the only thing that can be helpful. But because we were not exposed to it, because we, mental health was not normalized to us, now that we are older and we are struggling, instead of asking for help, again, what we were taught was you suck it up. Yeah. You keep it to yourself and you keep it pushing. You yeah. keep moving. You know, you don't let anyone see your weaknesses. Yeah, I'm still bad at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people are. Yeah. A lot of people are. And a lot of that is the work that I do with them. How do you begin to do that? How do you change family values or family I- ideology that was implanted into us 
that was told this is the truth. We never really got to decide for ourselves whether it was true or not. It was just told this is a truth. Now as adults, we can decide that. Do we still believe that mental health is, you know, a weakness or something that I can't seek help with? And then decide, what do I want to do? Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. It's very difficult. But I think a majority of reasons why minor, a lot of Wyandotte County residents don't seek is because of uh, receipts uh, excuse me they don't seek out treatment is because of stigma and those that do sometimes seek out that treatment sometimes may be isolated from family might get you know treated differently yeah and again that's something that we have to work with them to say you know that might be part of it but it doesn't mean that can limit you right to what your opportunities or options are of course of course and if someone is wanting to get help, mm-hmm. where would where would they go once once they've broken through that barrier of stigma mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, I'm I'm ready now, I'm ready to get help. Mm-hmm. Where do they go to even start to look for yeah. those resources? Absolutely, and I know it can be overwhelming, right? Because you say, where where does one start? And I would say there are plenty of resources. It's just again, we have to know where to look, how to look. So. Again, sometimes that we're all familiar with, obviously, is we have our our phones. They're available to us in our hands right there. Um, I always tell people, if you just if you want to start easier and just kind of more broader, just to Google Wyandotte County Mental Health Services and it will list. Typically, the first one you will see is um, Wyandotte Center or PACES, Mm -hmm. which is the predominantly um, the main mental health center in Wyandotte. So for individuals who want to start there as a beginning point can start. They have a 24-hour crisis walk-in, or excuse me, a 24-hour crisis line, and a crisis uh, center that's open, I believe, from 8 until 5, where people who are experiencing a crisis can walk in and get resources of what other resources are in the community. Um, Psychology Today. So if you know, you know I'm really struggling in a specific field or a specific part of my life, Um, whether it's trusting people, whether it's trying to feel safe going back out in public, um, that anxiety, you know, that Psychology Today is a great website, uh, psychologytoday.com is a great website to put in. You put your zip code um, and it lists local therapists, psychologists, Um, that are around you that talks about what insurance they take, if the sliding scale fees, you know, for individuals who can't pay full price. Some psychologists and counselors have those sliding scales that can, depending on the person's income, be adjusted to that or lowered. Yeah, I was going to um, bring that up because I know especially now, right now with gas prices rising mm-hmm. up and this word inflation literally being in the news every day. Every day. Um, do you know of any specific health organizations for like low income um, mm-hmm. people to just start off with? Um, you know, if we're again, Wyandotte County, Vibrant Health. Okay. They also offer behavioral health uh, services as well. Awesome. And all, of course, they're tailored to help underserved, um, underinsured um, populations. And so if individuals also want to start there as an organization, um, that would be a great opportunity because, again, they are able to help people who cannot pay maybe full price, who are struggling financially, again, as cost of living is increasing for all of us. And so I think a lot of organizations 
understand that and want to help. And thankfully, as I mentioned, there are these nonprofit organizations that are trying to help the community because they know there is a huge need, as yeah. I mentioned, in mental health right now. Yeah. Understandably. So, yes, um, uh, Wyandotte Center, Paces, and Vibrant Health, um, all great places to begin. And again, if that's not your end goal or it's not your end, the place that you're going to end, they can help you get to where you need to go. Can you tell me your most emotionally impactful story that you've dealt with during the pandemic involving mental health? Mm. The one that just resonates with you and just still sits on you to this day. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely have to say that, again, that just comes straight to my memory, um, is an experience I had with an elderly Spanish-speaking woman um, currently during my role um, as a grief counselor. So this was a few, I want to say maybe five, six months ago. Um, I was called, um, sent an email by um, some leadership in uh, my organization saying if I was possibly available to help um, a woman, a situation that had arisen. Um, so there was some issues with potential um, like elder abuse going on in the home that mm -hmm. she was staying in. Um, and they, we just were trying to take care of her before we, you know, were able to begin hospice services. So because there wasn't a Spanish speaking, um, employee, a nurse to be there with her, they asked if I would be able to just be present, which is not in my role. Um, it was asked something to do outside of my role as a counselor, but that I was very happy to do. Yeah. So I went to our hospice house where she was staying and, this woman was uh, blind. She was hard of hearing. Um, and again, she uh, was Spanish speaking. So she, th the nurses were telling me that she was very quiet. She wasn't really talking to people. And when I went in and again in Spanish, introduced myself and said, how are you? She just came to life. Mm. And she began talking. And when I asked her, do you want me to leave you alone to rest? She was like, no, no, no. She was like, stay here. She was like, I can't remember the last time someone sat and spoke with me. Mm. She said, I have been so lonely ever since all of this started. Oh, wow. And this, I personally have a grandmother with Alzheimer's. When I enter the room she had on her a cover that is very representative of the Mexican culture where it has a, an animal print. And for those who understand and know, like it's a big cover, usually a panther or a lion or <laughs> something like that. And so when I just took a step in, I saw that and I just knew, ooh, this is, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah. This is going to hit home. Yeah. And... I was talking with her. She was talking to me about her life. She was a dentist in, um, I, forgot, I can't think, I think it was Costa Rica that she was born in. Um, and just also told me her stories of loss that she's experienced in her family. And how, you know, again, her family, she didn't have family here besides a granddaughter. And again, just loneliness was yeah. the main one. So here I was a stranger and she was telling me everything about her life because I invited her to share her life with me. You talked to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. I gave her that opportunity. I just listened. Yeah. 
I listened. I didn't I didn't talk. I didn't do much. I just sat there and listened. And mm. I, you know, I know she didn't see it, but I was then because I definitely teared up. And it was definitely moments where I had to really recompose myself before I myself broke down in that room. But just to show how much compassion, how far just listening mm. to someone goes. Oftentimes we're so wired to fix when we see someone in pain, when we see someone sad, we say, what can I do? What should I do to make them feel better? And so we're always thinking, do, do, do. And sometimes all people want is someone to listen to them. And it's hard for us to listen with compassionately, you know, to not, while we're listening, not try and think of what we're going to say after. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we're not really listening at that <laughs> point. We're hearing them, but we're not really listening. Yeah. Um, so how to step back and say, this is not about me. This is all about them and their story being heard, their experience being validated. Um, and again, it's very easy to forget to do that when life is going a thousand miles an hour around you and there's things to do and short tempers and a lot of frustration and, you know, always go, go, go. Um, that sometimes it's just, let this person go and I can sit back and just listen. Yeah. So that was definitely an experience that moved me and still I think about it and, and it humbles me and reminds me of how I want to treat others and the power behind just a comforting presence. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that story. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for stopping by the Seven Street Podcast today, Oscar. I'm not going to keep you too you. much longer. Yes, thank um, you so much, Nikki, for again having me in this opportunity to talk about mental health, to talk about grief, which, again, I will say that many of us are experiencing. Yes. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. Um, is, there, yeah. is there any place that you would like people to find you or be able to locate you for information or resources? Sure. So I can I have a LinkedIn for individuals who have a LinkedIn? Oscar Orozco, O-R-O-Z-C-O. Um, the best place, you know, to contact for just information about trainings or um, just general questions, really, that people may have about grief or where to start their journey with mental health. Um, that's one. And then um, my email as well for Kansas City Hospice. Um, they'll find it there as well on LinkedIn. So if everyone has that, feel free to, you know, send a message and I'll be glad to respond. Okay. I hope this helps someone. Thank All right. you, Nikki. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by. All right. Well, the sun is setting now on 7th Street. You can follow the show on Facebook at the 7th Street Podcast. And you can find the links to the sources used for this episode on the podcast website at the 7 Peace and blessings.